is going on, true crime fans? I'm your host, Heath. And I'm your other host, Daphne. And you're listening to Going West. Today's case is one of those cases where I am baffled that there isn't more media coverage on this and why it isn't well known in the true crime community. I mean, it's just absolutely unbelievable and devastating all around. So thanks everyone for tuning in and don't forget to share. Also, just wanted to let you guys know that we are going to be at CrimeCon April 28th. I'm sorry, 29th. Oh my God. I say that every time. time, uh, To May 1st. So we will be there April 29th to May 1st. Come hang out with us. It's a weekend. It's in Las Vegas. So if you guys want to fly out, if you're not locals, and come hang out with Heath and I and a bunch of other true crime podcasts and other true crime people, it's going to be really fun. So head over to crimecon.com. C-R-I-M-E-C-O-N dot com. Use code GOINGWEST to get 10% off your standard badge. All right, guys, this is episode 183 of Going West, so let's get into it. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow, or find an awesome template. No judgment. We've got a very different kind of sponsor for this episode, The Jordan Harbinger Show, a podcast you should definitely check out since you're a fan of high-quality, fascinating podcasts hosted by interesting people. The Jordan Harbinger Show covers such a wide range of topics through weekly interviews with heavy-hitting guests, and there are a ton of episodes that you're going to find interesting. Jordan is super charismatic and well-voiced, so I loved listening to his recent episode with Susan Casey called Unraveling Mysteries in the Ocean's Darkest Depths. It was so creepy and interesting, and he goes across every category with other episodes like Romance Twister, My Mister Once Dated My Sister, or his monthly Skeptical Sunday episodes about controversial topics from crystal healing to cannabis to Ouija boards. There is something for everyone. We really enjoy this show, and we think you will as well. There's just so much here. Check out jordanharbinger.com start for some episode recommendations or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. In 2000, a 35-year-old winery owner was found murdered in her A-frame tasting room. Was her murder connected to the killing of another winery owner just two months prior? Or was this a separate tragedy? Police would find out after something unthinkable happened 14 years later. This is the story of Patty Stryker. (music) 
Patty Ann Moses was born on September 3rd, 1964 to parents Sheila and Thomas Moses in McMinn County, Tennessee, alongside her sister Janet and three brothers, Jeff, Martin, and Walter. The Moses family was a faithful one, with all of them being members of St. Mary's Catholic Church, but sadly there isn't a ton of background available regarding Patty's life and her, you know, her upbringing. But we do know that she attended McMinn County High School and then graduated from Bellevue College and also studied at the very prestigious Oxford University in England. So that's pretty cool. Now, according to newspapers from 2000, the year this story takes place, Patty had a 20-year-old son named Donnie Morrow from a, quote, previous marriage. Now, this would either mean that Patty had a child at about 14 years old or that she later married a man who had a young son. We're thinking it might be the latter since many articles mention marriage with Donnie's father, but it's unclear. It's not really relevant, but we're unsure about that specific detail. And it also seems that she may have had another child from a different relationship as well, a young daughter named Candace. But either way, when Patty was about 29 years old, she married a 48-year-old man named Stanley Stryker. Stanley Stryker was also from McMinn County and, you know, the McMinn County area, but he was born about 19 years before Patty on June 4th, 1947 to parents Jenny and Joseph Stryker, though they passed in 1980 and 1996, alongside his two brothers and one sister. Stanley had also been in a previous marriage and two had one child from that marriage. Well, I guess Patty had two, but... You know what I mean. He also had a child from a different marriage, and this was Lisa. And in 2000, she's described as an adult. And a bit more on McMinn County, and more specifically Athens, Tennessee, where they lived. It's a small town which, in 2000 and today, has a population of around 13,000 people. Now, according to cityofathenstn.com, Athens is, quote, nestled in the foothills of the Great Smoky Mountains, and offers a southern hospitality. But going back a little bit when Patty Moses became Patty Stryker when she married Stanley in 1995. So the following year in 1996, the same year that Stanley's mother Jenny passed away, newlyweds Patty and Stanley Stryker opened Stryker's Premium Winery, nestled in a grove alongside a creek and right next door to their house in Athens, Tennessee. At this time, Patty and Stanley also began having children together, Sabrina and Stanley, but we did read that people call Stanley Ty. Yeah, I think that's his middle name, so right, makes sense. So Patty was known to be loved by customers at their winery, and her father later described her as, quote, an angel, she was just perfect. Others who knew her agreed, saying that she was well-loved, kind, and incredibly caring. Patty and Stanley would spend their days at their wooden A-frame tasting room, pouring out glasses of wine to locals and passerbys. As it was located on a quiet country road just off of Interstate 75, and pretty much smack dab in between the cities of Knoxville and Chattanooga, both being about an hour away. And when Patty wasn't at the winery, she was raising her beautiful young children. Yeah, I had read a lot of comments about Patty just being amazing, like people would come, the the winery was really cute. It was like a, like you said, it's a wooden A-frame. Yeah. Super adorable. We posted a photo on our socials, but people would just go and Patty and Stanley would be there just kind of hanging out yeah, and just working. Like this cute little country winery. Yeah. And so 
people really enjoyed sitting with Patty and having a glass of wine with her and learning more about the wine. And she was just this joy and people loved going there to see her and drink their wine. So, so that's what I read from a bunch of different people. Uh, but sadly, by the year of 1999, just about four years into their marriage, things clearly were not working out between Patty and Stanley. And they were interested in getting a divorce. And they actually did file in August of 1999, but around a month later in September, they reconciled and decided to stay together. So they did. They continued to raise their children in Athens and run their winery. Within Stryker's premium winery, there was also a retail shop where people could buy wine. And that's where Patty was on the morning of Monday, April 10th, 2000. But before heading into work, Patty first dropped off her three young children at school and daycare at around 7.15 a.m. It was a brisk and gloomy spring morning, just around 40 degrees Fahrenheit or around 5 degrees Celsius, when sometime between 8.30 a.m. and 9.15 a.m., someone with very bad intentions entered the winery. Patty was working behind the counter when someone walked through the door and shot her once in the head before taking their gun and the cash register out of the tasting room. Shortly after, at 9.30 a.m., a friend and coworker came into the store for work when they found 35-year-old Patty Stryker lying on the floor behind the counter, dead. They also noticed various coins scattered around the building that had come likely from the cash register. Right, and this coworker then called law enforcement immediately, who believed that they were walking into the scene of a robbery gone wrong. They immediately began searching the area, hoping that the perpetrator wasn't too far ahead of them, but they weren't able to find anyone at that time. So they began searching the winery grounds and the creek that ran alongside the winery in search of a murder weapon. But again, nothing was uncovered. There was, however, a large caliber shell casing found at the scene that they hoped would help in their investigation. McMinn County Sheriff Steve Frisbee stated, quote, We're treating this as a robbery homicide. He was unaware of how much money was in the register at the time it was stolen, but considering it was gone, it seemed likely that robbery was the motive. Well, and especially because Patty was shot in the head, you know, that's and the cash register is gone, those two things together, it makes it seem like it was a holdup and something happened. They ended up killing her and they took the register. But the weird thing is, I feel like in most robberies, the perpetrator doesn't actually want to kill anybody because that is a much bigger crime than robbery. So the fact that one shot was fired, it hit her in the head and killed her, and the register is gone, I mean, it's a pretty alarming situation. Yeah, and I mean, to police, they're thinking this is pretty cut and dry. Like, this is obviously seems like a robbery. Because it wouldn't really seem like anything else off the bat. But really weird and tragic, something similar happened just two months prior to Patty's murder, when the owner of Monteagle Wine Cellars was met with a similar fate. Monteagle Wine Cellars was a winery located atop a rolling field in the very small town of Monteagle, Tennessee, just around an hour and a half drive southwest from Athens. 
In 2000, the owner, Joe Marlowe, was 75 years old and still very much enjoyed making and selling wines since he opened the winery in 1985. So about 15 years prior to this incident. Right. And his wines had won countless awards, and he was incredibly proud of his work, too. But on February 5th, 2000, something horrible happened to him. It was a wintry Saturday afternoon when Joe closed up his winery for the day and headed home to his farm located in Coffee County, just about 20 miles or 32 kilometers away. When he arrived at his home, he got out of his car holding a money bag from the winery when he was shot twice, once in the arm and once in the head. His wife was at home at this time. She was cooking dinner when this happened, and she heard it all. But according to her story later, she just didn't know what was going on until she went outside. Now, Luis had originally heard her husband's car pull into the driveway, and then she heard what she thought sounded like a cannon going off. I'm sure she didn't actually think it was a cannon, but that's what she... Loud bangs, yeah. Yes. Now, she didn't immediately go outside because she said she just wasn't sure what was happening, so she waited about five minutes. Then she headed outside and found her husband laying in the driveway unconscious. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment, no maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volix XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you are allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medications that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, just visit Juvederm.com. She called police right away, and when they arrived, she was sitting in the driveway with Joe's head in her lap. 
and he unfortunately passed away from his wounds at the hospital later. Although they didn't know if the motive for his murder was robbery or vengeance, they believed that the killer was waiting for him and ambushed him when he pulled up to his house. And the reason that the motive seemed a bit confusing as well was because the money bag that he was carrying was not stolen, nor was the thousands of dollars that he allegedly had in his pockets. First of all, uh, I don't know why thousands of dollars in your pocket. That's kind of yeah, but um, but yeah, just talking about this, it's like it's kind of strange because you would think if that was the motive, like robbery, that they would have taken those things, but they didn't. So like, what else could there be? Well, right? and nothing else happened at the house. It's not like he startled somebody who was going to, you know, try to go into the house and steal stuff. I, you know, it, it's not, it wasn't something like that. It's like he got out of his car, he got shot twice, and then this person fled. So it seemed like whoever this person was, they just wanted him dead. Right. It seemed like almost kind of like a, a hit or an assassination. Exactly. So after Joe's death, his wife and children began running the winery in his honor. But when Patty was murdered just two months later... It was a painful and terrifying reminder that someone sinister could be out there murdering Tennessee winery owners, and that they still hadn't been caught. And it wasn't just the family that was terrified, but the other winemakers in the state, 20 at this time, wondering what the hell was going on. Well, only 20 winemakers and winery owners in this state of Tennessee, that's not very many. And now two were shot and killed. It, right, and they were both shot and killed two months apart, so... I don't know what the motive would be for somebody going around murdering winery owners. It's not like the wine business is illicit, so... Yeah, it's not like there's, like, a mob of, like, you know, underground, secret, gambling yes, wine winery owners. Right, or, like, you know, m drugs or whatever, so... Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, I'm having a hard time getting across what I mean, but it's very alarming and concerning, right. I'm sure, especially for the other winery owners. Right, and we're just thinking this is so bizarre because what are the chances, right? Absolutely. So Ed Cook, the owner of a winery in Clarksville, Tennessee, stated, quote, it's a terrible thing, but I can't imagine that it's related to the wine industry. People that come through are not even writing bad checks. Exactly. So it really doesn't make sense that it would be related to the wine industry, but what else does this mean? Right. So Police didn't believe that the cases were connected either, stating, quote, We don't think that they're linked. We're 99.9% .9 sure it's a different caliber weapon in each case. But still, the fear existed amongst the winery workers since they didn't know for sure what was going on. Many stated that they didn't plan on changing their hours or advertisers, but they were very concerned about not only their safety, but what the publicity would do for their business. Another winery owner, whose name is Sandra Collier, said, quote, I've talked to my employees about it, and they know to be suspicious. While another said, quote, I know I'm personally getting a little freaked out about it, while describing the area as a mountain community where residents know each other and leave their doors unlocked. But before we continue with Patty's story, we want to jump a couple years into the future and tell you the conclusion in Joe Marlowe's case because it was indeed not related to Patty's case, though I think it may have inspired Patty's murder, as we'll discuss later. And by the way, this is the man who pulled into his driveway and was shot two times. Yes, 75-year-old winery owner Joe Marlowe. So first of all, just four months after Joe's murder, meaning two months after Patty's, an arson fire caused $400,000 worth of damage to Joe's winery, 
and three men were eventually convicted for this crime, including one of Joe's son-in-laws. And in the summer of 2002, so over two years after Joe's murder, his 73-year-old wife, Louise Marlowe, admitted to arranging her husband's murder due to his alleged violence towards her. Sadly, there is no way to confirm this, though. You know, we don't know if if he was an abusive husband. If he is, that's absolutely horrible. But, you know, maybe this isn't the best way to go about that, uh, you know? Yeah. So um, the gunman, who was 29-year-old winery employee Roger Wimley, stated that he had never seen Joe violent, but described him as, quote, controversial. I don't know what that means, but I I'm, don't, that I'm is, interested. That's a direct quote, so I mean, I'm not sure. Do I sure. have to start singing the Get a Divorce song? <laughs> yes, because I you will. should. You absolutely should. So because Louise admitted guilt and kind of gave up Roger, she was sentenced to just a year in jail, followed by six months of house arrest for hiring Roger to kill her husband. And Roger was, of course, charged as well. I just want to say <laughs> one year, one year. I don't, I don't know how this decision was made. How? I don't know. I don't understand I don't that. know if they were, because there is very little information on this as well. Very bizarre. If you look up Joe Marlowe, Tennessee, whatever you want to search, there's barely anything. So I don't know how this didn't make more news either when this, both of these cases seem like a pretty big deal to the industry in the state. So you would think that more people would be talking about it, but I I have no idea. I wish I knew more about how this conclusion came to be. Yeah, definitely. I do too. So now let's get back to Patty's case. Of course, at the time of her murder, Joe's murder was not yet solved. So there was still a lot of fear and confusion in the area regarding both of these crimes. When law enforcement questioned her husband, Stanley, about his whereabouts for that day, he told them that he was working at the Bowater paper plant which he did to kind of earn some extra income, and this was located just about 20 to 30 minutes away. But his story checked out, and this helped prove that he was not there when Patty was murdered. But police remained a tad suspicious, knowing that they were having marital troubles, which is why Sheriff Frisbee explained to the media, quote, we're not ruling anything out or any one person. Here's what Stanley's adult daughter, Lisa Bates, had to say. It's a shock. It's a tragic thing that something like this has to happen to somebody so young. She also said that the winery was closed indefinitely and that she believed it was likely a crime of opportunity caused by someone who had seen the billboard advertisements on Interstate 75. So maybe this person saw the billboards pulled in there. Well, that saw that there was one woman working behind the counter and then took advantage. She also mentioned that her father Stanley had recently before Patty's murder moved back home with Patty and the kids, and that they were working out their marriage. But as far as Patty's side of the family was concerned, suspicion still fell on Stanley. So much so that one year later in April of 2001, her eldest son, 21-year-old Donnie Morrow, filed a $5.5 million wrongful death lawsuit against Patty's husband, Stanley Stryker. Heath and I are major sufferers of seasonal allergies. They are the worst. It can even be difficult to host this show when our noses are all clogged up. We have tried brand after brand, but luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, 
we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. And big shout out to Claritin for supporting this show and providing us with samples. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. I feel like I sneeze all day long. I always have an itchy face, but now I can actually go outside in the grass and not have a sneeze attack or be stuffed up thanks to Claritin D. Are you ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so that you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. We know you guys love a good mystery, especially one with twists and turns. Am I right? This is why you guys are going to love June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker while she tries to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder in the roaring 1920s. In this hidden object mystery game, put your detective skills to the test. While you're on this quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret, you can customize your very own luxurious estate island and let your imagination run wild. Daphne and I actually love to play this game together because you can chat with and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. It is truly so much fun. You guys are going to love it. So what do you think? Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. In April of 2001, Patty's eldest son, 21-year-old Donnie Morrow, filed a $5.5 million wrongful death lawsuit against Stanley Stryker for the murder of his 35-year-old mother, Patty Stryker. The lawsuit alleged that Stanley, quote, by conspiracy design and or intentionally caused the wrongful death of Patty Stryker by murder as a result of gunshot wounds inflicted upon Patty Stryker, either by or at the direction of the defendant, Stanley Stryker. Now, the first $5 million was for the wrongful death of Patty, and the other $500,000 was for the loss of consortium with Donnie's mother, Patty. Before Stanley had seen the suit, his only comment to the public was, I don't really understand the word consortium. Hmm, interesting. Which, yeah, it's kind of an odd, like, just that's all you have to say. Um, but in a sense, consortium means partnership, association, or alliance. Stanley had not been charged with Patty's murder, but basically Donnie felt so strongly that he was behind it that he filed this lawsuit. The lawsuit was asking for a jury trial and Stanley had one month to respond to said lawsuit. 
Meanwhile, Patty's family continue to ask for information regarding Patty's death. But at this point in the story, a $10,000 reward was being offered for any information because it really didn't seem like police knew that much. I mean, somebody must have come in and tried to take the cash register. Maybe there was a struggle. They shot Patty and they left. But other than that, there was really no evidence aside from that shell casing. So it is, and, you know, as we've mentioned many times, this winery was right off of an interstate. So that person could be anywhere. What I'm really interested in knowing is why Donnie Morrow felt so strongly that Stanley was involved. Like, what actions has Stanley done to make Donnie believe that he could be involved? Which we will absolutely get into about what Patty's family thought about Stanley. The following month, Stanley Stryker stated in an affidavit that he had nothing to do with the shooting death of his wife at the winery. He stated, quote, I engaged in no conspiracy to kill Patty Stryker. I engaged in no act or omission which contributed in any way to the death of Patty Stryker. He also claimed that the lawsuit was, quote, filed maliciously, unjustly, and without probable cause for the purpose of harassing this defendant. But this lawsuit didn't go anywhere, because that same year, a judge threw it out due to the fact that there wasn't any evidence that Stanley was behind the murder. And there really wasn't evidence that anybody was, which is right. what's so frustrating. So what can you really do here? Exactly. So Stanley continued to live his life, running the winery, raising his kids on his own now. And there's even a newspaper article we found in 2007 discussing how he wanted to purchase grapes from other wineries after experiencing two years of losses due to fungus as well as freezing temperatures ruining his crop. So he's in the local paper, you know, this is years after Patty's death, he's just living a normal life. Yeah. But law enforcement continued to look for Patty's killer. And in early 2006, so nearly six years after Patty's death, the McMinn County Sheriff put up billboards in Patty's honor. Two large billboards were put up in Patty City of Athens, Tennessee, that had her picture on it alongside the words, who killed Patty Stryker? At this point, the reward was boosted to $60,000, and this was, you know, portrayed on the billboards as well. And it said, you know, $60,000 reward for any information that will lead to the arrest of her killer. Now, the sheriff said in January of 2006, Two months ago, I was watching America's Most Wanted on TV, and they started showing billboards of people who had been murdered or missing. When I saw this, I immediately thought of the Patty Stryker case. So with that, Sheriff Frisbee reached out to an advertising company, as well as Patty's mother, Sheila, for approval, and had the two billboards put up. So it really seemed like law enforcement cared to keep her story out there after all those years and figure out what happened to her so they could bring her children and her case justice. Yeah, I mean... They're doing everything that they can. They're putting up billboards. There's just no information, right? Yeah, absolutely. So once again, her case went cold. Even though they had interviewed over 200 people, Patty's case was their oldest cold case. So the years just continued to pass with no answers. There was virtually no evidence regarding who murdered Patty or why, but police continued to believe it was likely a robbery gone wrong. And if they had any other thoughts or theories, they had no evidence to back it up. But nearly 14 years after Patty's murder, something unthinkable would happen to the Stryker kids. Patty and Stanley's two children were at Stryker's Premium Winery 
with their father Stanley almost immediately following a court hearing regarding a custody battle. Someone else in the family was trying to gain custody of Sabrina and Ty Stryker after allegations that Stanley was not fit to care for them. Now that day, which was Wednesday, February 12, 2014, 66-year-old Stanley Stryker shot his two teenage children before turning the gun on himself. The teens, wounded, ran to a neighbor's for help and were hospitalized for their injuries. But when police arrived at the scene, Stanley was dead. Now, although there are very little details about what actually happened, you know, no surprise in this case, but we did read that one of the teens was shot in the hand and the other in the shoulder. Originally, Ty was in critical condition while his sister Sabrina was stable, but luckily they both did recover. Now, many were very upset after this happened, of course. I mean, this is, this is absolutely horrifying. And many people in the community were upset because despite the custody battle that had just taken place, a judge, Wiley Richardson, returned the striker teens to Stanley's custody just before this incident, even though many people, including family members and teachers, testified that the teens were not safe to be with their dad. And so this is really bold of this judge to be like, yeah, I think he's fit to have his children be with him, and then he turns around and shoots his children. I on it, I can't imagine what the judge was thinking and probably felt some guilt because... Afterwards, right. I mean, absolutely. Like, this this shouldn't have happened. If, if so many people thought that they shouldn't have been in their father's care, they should not have been in their father's care. Right. Uh, Stanley was described as unstable and creating an unsafe environment for the children. And because of the decision to let them remain in his custody... This horrible thing happened, so many people in Athens were incredibly upset over this. And luckily, Ty and Sabrina were okay, and they fully recovered, at least physically, from the incident, but it still should never have happened. So this absolutely terrible tragedy probably makes you wonder if Stanley was then presumed to have murdered Patty. The problem is, there still isn't any evidence of that. What we would like to know is if the gun that was used to kill Patty is the same one that Stanley used, because they had that shell casing back from uh, Patty's murder, but this wasn't released. I would like to know that as well, because it's possible that he owned more guns, but this would have been a great opportunity to check his house, search the house for any kind of gun if they hadn't done it back in the day. So Right, and I wonder if that was done. But of course, if he had hired a hitman, that gun would not be in Stanley's presence anyway. Yeah, definitely true. So, a lot came out about Stanley during this custody battle, but it seems that Patty's family was always suspicious of him. And according to Patty's mother, Sheila, Stanley never wanted Patty to see or be around her family, including her parents and her siblings. Also, Sheila mentioned, quote, she had always told everyone that he was going to kill her. This is such a big piece to this, and I only read this quote in one article. But this seems like it would be a huge piece of information for the case. If he, you know, stops her from seeing her family, she is vocal about believing that he could potentially kill her someday. He's clearly unfit to take care of the children. A lot of people think he's just a bizarre guy. 
Yeah, maybe a control freak, and maybe it was Patty's idea to divorce, right. possibly. At the end of the day, I understand that you have to go off of evidence, and just because, oh, we think it was Stanley doesn't mean that you can arrest him for her murder. So I understand that, but that's what's so frustrating about this. Yeah, well, at this point, Stanley's dead, so, I mean, they're, really all you can do is try and find DNA evidence that could link him to it. Right. Patty's mother, Sheila, sadly passed away in 2011 at the age of 63, so she wasn't around for what happened in 2014. But it seems that she always suspected Stanley of something, explaining back in 2000 that she didn't believe one bit that her daughter's death was a robbery, but instead that Patty had problems ever since she married Stanley. We decided to check out Stryker's Premium Winery on Yelp, which just happened to come up when I looked up the winery. Uh, it's still up, though the business has been closed for many years now. It only has three reviews, including this very interesting one from June 29th, 2018 by a man named David. The owner of this winery killed his wife back in 2000 by staging a robbery at his tasting room. My wife and I used to sit with both of them every evening, finishing up the bottles that had been tested throughout the day. We would often talk on the way home about how Stanley was going to kill his wife one day after comparing conversations we had with both of them. It's 2018 and I just finished reading the Athens, Tennessee newspaper article about the owner Stanley shooting both his kids and then himself in 2014. It looks like he killed himself and tried to kill his kids, but I think they survived, thank God. This man, Stanley Stryker, was one weird dude. There were many times we left the tasting room thinking, let's get out of here before Stanley gets a gun and shoots someone. He would get this really weird bloodshot, glassy-eyed evil look that would scare the shit out of me because it was the look of a man who has a lot of anger built up and is ready to explode. Crazy story about this place, and I believe it's closed down permanently now. Very interesting Yelp review. That That is such, assuming everything he's saying is true, I don't know why he would be lying, but what a crazy piece of information and insight from somebody who used to go there and had spent time with both Patty and Stanley to say that he had this really weird bloodshot, glassy-eyed evil look. And yeah. that they had apparently thought, oh, one day he's going to kill his wife and let's get out of here before Stanley gets his gun. Like, I, again, I, just, I don't know if, if this is really what they thought at the yeah. time, but if it is, that's wild. Yeah, it's just really crazy thinking about how many people thought that he was going to kill Patty and then she dies. And how many people, how it has come out after Patty's death that he is an unfit dad that he creates an unsafe environment and then he does what he did in 2014 turning a gun on his own children and then himself so i think personally that gives a lot of insight into this man and if anyone's curious the other two reviews are two stars saying that the area was picturesque but the wine wasn't good but those were written in 2011 years after patty's passing so it really seems like stanley may have been a very bizarre man just based on this review, but sadly, we don't have any other accounts regarding his personality. And it only makes you wonder, assuming he's behind Patty's murder, if he was inspired to, uh, to commit this murder based on Joe Marlowe's murder. Because Joe was also a winery owner, and he was shot to death. And there were only 20 wineries in the state of Tennessee in 2000. 
So we can imagine many of them, you know, know each other and talk to each other. So it's more likely than not that Patty and Stanley would have heard about Joe's murder. But the weirdest part is that it didn't come out until 2002 that Joe's wife was behind it all. So what a bizarre coincidence here. I agree. And again, you know, if Stanley murdered Patty, but it is very weird that we have these two situations and both of them potentially were hits that were conspired by the spouse of the victim. Yeah. And we, you know, we have to say if, even though I'm sure a lot of us feel that Stanley must have done it considering what he did to his own children and signed the very same winery, by the way, that Patty was killed. Yeah, same place. Yeah, he took his own life in the same, basically the same spot almost that Patty was killed. So, you know, this doesn't feel like a coincidence to me. And considering their relationship wasn't going well too, but it does make me wonder what his motive would be. Yet again, what the hell was his motive for trying to kill his own teenage children? So maybe the man is just incredibly unhinged. Totally, because we know that they were having marital problems, but if they had just filed for divorce the previous year, why wouldn't he just go forward with this divorce? Right, and you could say that maybe he was afraid of losing custody of his young children and maybe losing the business. But again, then 14 years later, he attempts to murder his children. I mean, none of it makes any sense, but it's clear that this man was capable of murder. And for any of you out there that are thinking, you know, was there a life insurance policy on Patty and he just wanted money? I I didn't see anything like that. And to me, it didn't seem like that was that was the motive. Yeah, I mean, honestly, one thing that comes to mind for me is that he murdered Patty because she was possibly trying to leave him. And then years later... He decides to take his kids out and himself out because he's, you know, has all this guilt. I just don't like, I don't understand why the kids. It makes no sense. This really makes me think of the Susan Powell case. But, you know, because that didn't make any sense either. Why Josh murdered their two children and then killed himself after likely murdering Susan. Yeah, I think it's probably one of those things. It's like, I'm I'm done being on this earth, but I want to take my family with me kind of thing. I don't know. They were, they were also religious, so that could be a possibility there. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. But either way, it's absolutely horrible. I mean, luckily, it seems that Ty and Sabrina had Patty's wonderful family care for them after what happened and are living their lives in Tennessee now in their 20s. So we are definitely wishing them all the best. Now, it's still a mystery why Stanley did what he did, as no suicide note or confession regarding possibly killing Patty was found, meaning Patty and Moses Stryker's case remains unsolved. If you have any information that could help in the investigation, please call the McMinn County Sheriff's Office at 423-745-5620. so much everybody for listening to this episode of going west yes thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and on friday we'll have an all-new case for you guys to dive into like i said in the beginning i can't believe i haven't seen more people talking about this case and we really don't mean to exploit the striker kids at all because i'm sure they've you know they're really trying to move on after all the trauma they've endured but it's such a shame that stanley did all this and it's so confusing why he more than likely murdered 35-year-old Patty just four years into their relationship, only to attempt to take his children's lives and then successfully take his own. Yeah, so many questions there left unanswered. Absolutely. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Please share this case. 
We appreciate all of you, all the nice reviews, the nice comments, the follows, everything. It means a lot to have you guys here. Also, if you guys are looking for more episodes of Going West, you can head over to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash goingwestpodcast for more content. We got bonus content for you two episodes a month if you subscribe to the $10 tier. Or if you subscribe to the $5 tier, you get one episode a month. There's uh, 30-something episodes that you can binge for the $5 tier. Sorry, I don't have an accurate number. I feel like it's 36. But it's a lot. You pay $5 and you get 36 ad-free episodes of Going West that you would not normally have. And if you pay $10, you have 60 episodes to binge. So if you're all caught up and you need more content, head on over to patreon.com slash goingwestpodcast. All right, guys. So for everybody out there in the world, don't be a stranger. For some quick mental health facts, let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.